Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc slash soap. Okay, Exodus chapter 39. Fun chapter for me. Uh, And at first glance, I'm pretty sure some of you did this and you're like, oh man, what am I going to get from the people making an outfit for the priests, right? But let's, I'm a, something stuck out to me and I'm going to show you what that is. Exodus 39, Exodus 39, chapter one or chapter, uh, verse one. And I am in the NIV version. I'm going to put it on my computer, read it from there. Okay. The NIV version 39, verse one, it says this. From the blue, purple, and scarlet yawn, they made woven garments for ministering in the sanctuary. They also made sacred garments for Aaron. And I want you to underline every time you hear this next phrase. As the Lord commanded Moses. As the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 2. They made the ephod the ephod of gold and of blue, purple, scarlet yawn and of fine twisted linen. They hammered out thin sheets of gold and cut strands to be worked into the blue, purple and scarlet yawn and fine linen, the work of skilled hands. They made shoulder pieces for the ephod, which were attached to two of its corners so it could be fastened. Its skillfully woven waistband was like it of one piece with the ephod and made with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet yawn and with finely twisted linen as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 6. They mounted the onyx stones in gold filigree settings and engraved them like a seal with the names of the sons of Israel. Then they fastened them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel, as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 8. They fashioned this breastplate, the work of a skilled craftsman. They made it like the ephod of gold and of blue, purple, and scarlet yawn, and of finely twisted linen. It was square, a span, long, a span long and a span wide and folded double and folded double verse 10. Then they mounted four rows of precious stones on it. The first row was carnelian chrysolite and beryl. The second row row was turquoise lapis lazuli and emerald. Third row was jacinth, a, a gate and amethyst. The fourth row was topaz, onyx, and jasper. They were mounted in gold filigree settings. There were 12 stones, one for each of the names of the sons of Israel, each engraved like a seal with the name of one of the 12 tribes. Verse 15, for the breast piece, they made braided chains of pure gold like a rope 
they made like two like two gold filigree settings. They made two gold filigree settings and two gold rings and fastened the rings to two of the corners of the breast piece. They fastened the two gold chains to the rings at the corners of the breast piece and the other ends of the chains to the two settings, attaching them to the shoulder pleat pieces of the ephod at the front. Verse 19. They made two gold rings and attached them to the other two corners of the breast piece on the inside edge next to the ephod. Then they made two more gold rings and attached them to the bottom of the shoulder pieces on the front of the ephod, close to the seam just above the waistband of the ephod. Verse 21, they tied the rings of the piece, the breast piece, to the rings of the ephod with blue cord, connecting it to the waistband so that the breast piece would swing out from the ephod as the Lord commanded Moses. They made the robe of the ephod entirely of blue cloth, the work of, of a weaver, with an opening in the center of the robe like the opening of a collar, and a band around this opening so that it would not tear. They made pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet yawn, and finely twisted them, the linen, around the hem of the robe. And they made bells of pure gold and attached them around the hem between the pomegranates. The bells and the pomegranates alternated around the hem of the robe to be worn for ministering as the Lord commanded Moses. For Aaron and his sons, they made tunics of fine linen, the work of a weaver, and the turban of fine linen, the linen caps and the undergarments of finely twisted linen. The sash was made of finely twisted linen and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, yarn, the work of an embroiderer, as the Lord commanded Moses. They made the plate, the sacred emblem, out of pure gold and engraved on it like an inscription on a seal, holy to the Lord. Then they fastened a blue cord to it to attach it to the turban as the Lord commanded Moses. So all the work of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting was completed. The Israelites did everything just as the Lord commanded Moses. Then they brought the tabernacle to Moses, the tent and all its furnishings, its clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases, the covering of the ram's skins dyed red, and the covering of another adorable leather, and the shielding curtain, the Ark of the Covenant law with its poles and atonement covering, cover, the table with all its articles and the bread of the presence, the pure gold lampstand with its row of lamps and all its accessories, and the olive oil for the light, the gold altar, the anointing oil, the fragrant incense, and the curtain, for the entrance to the tent, the bronze altar with its bronze grating, its poles and all its utensils, the basin with its stand, the curtains of the courtyard with its posts and bases, and the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard, the ropes and tent pegs for the courtyard, all the furnishings for the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, 
and the woven garments worn for ministering in the sanctuary, both the sacred garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments for his sons when serving as priests. Verse 42, the Israelites, and this is where it comes to the conclusion, the Israelites had done all the work just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses inspected the work and saw that they had done it just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Woo! Well, hey, um, you remember in school when, I don't know about you, but I had teachers growing up that wouldn't necessarily always give you a stud guide, right? Especially in high school and college. One of the things you learn early on is that when something is repeated over and over and over and over again, it must be important, right? Like if your teacher says something over and over and over again, you could probably assume it's going to be on a test, on an exam, because it's something that the teacher wants you to know. In this passage, we could count it over and over again. We have in verse 1, as the Lord commanded Moses. In verse 5, as the Lord commanded Moses. In verse 6 and 7, as the Lord commanded Moses. Uh, we count it again in verse 21. As the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 26. As the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 29. As the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 31. As the Lord commanded Moses. 32. As the Lord commanded Moses. I think there's something to be learned about the commands of the Lord, right? And I think if we're going to write anything down, I want you to write this down. When God speaks, when God speaks, he do doesn't often speak with suggestions. God hardly ever says, hey, I think you should do this this way. Or, hey, it might be beneficial. It's totally up to you. What do you think? <laughs> right? God often, almost always, in fact, I would say always, always speaks with intentionality, purpose. And when he says something, that's the way he wants to want the thing done. And so what we see in chapter 39 is God has given instructions from chapter 28 in the book of Exodus on how to build the tabernacle, but also how to construct the garments that the priest would wear as they minister in the tabernacle. And he tells them what linen to use. He tells them what stones to use. He tells them to use the gold. He gives them instruction and all that stuff. In Exodus 39, we see the execution of what the Lord commanded. But then at the very end is what I really, really want to focus on in verse 42, where it says, The Israelites 
had done all the work just as the Lord had commanded Moses. They weren't half-hearted with the obedience. They didn't do some of the things God told them to do. They did all of the work exactly the way God had commanded them to do, right? But there's something that came with that, and that is the very next verse where it says, Moses inspected the work and saw that they had done it just as the Lord had commanded. So Moses blessed them. I think a few weeks back, if you remember, I said, whenever you read the Bible, you want to ask yourself three to four main questions. Number one is, what does it say? What does it say? Number two is, what does it teach us about God? Right? What does it say? What does it teach us about God? Number three, what does it teach us about us? You and I, what's it teaching me? And the fourth thing is, how could I apply it to to my life? So, number one, what is it saying? We have instructions. Those instructions were met to the T by the Israelites. Number two, what does it say about God? God is very specific when he gives instructions. And he is very specific because he knows exactly what he wants, how he wants it, when he wants it, and what's beneficial for our lives. The next question is, what does it say about us? Well, am I being obedient to the instructions of God in whatever that is? Down to the very way that a garment is constructed, right? Am I being obedient when God speaks? Do I see God's words as commands or suggestions? Are they instructions or ideas? When God speaks, his words are not ideas, they are instructions. They are not suggestions, they are commands. Right? But here's why it's important to obey. It's important to obey because there is a blessing that is tied to obedience. There is a blessing that is tied to obedience. Verse 43 again reads, Moses inspected the work. And listen, the truth is that every single work we do here on earth will be inspected in some way, shape, or form. Everything we do here on earth, God will weigh, He will measure, He will inspect, He will uh, evaluate, He will judge, right? All of our work in in one way, shape, or form will be inspected. And the question is, when God inspects our work, will He find that we were obedient Not just in some things, not just in a few things, but in all things. Will he find that his people have been obedient in every single thing that he's asked us to do? Now, the beauty of this 
is that the reality of the matter is that you and I will often miss the mark. Right? What we learn about the Old Testament is that we cannot fully obey every law, every command. We will miss the mark every time, right? We saw that throughout the entire book of Exodus. Sometimes they were on fire for God. Other times they were building fires for altars and idols, right? And yet God was still merciful and gracious to bless them. But I think there's something to be said about our obedience to the Lord. And that, first of all, there's no there's a blessing that is tied to obedience. Why? Because God delights in obedience. God delights in obedience. Why does God delight in obedience? Well, first of all, you can write this down. Obedience is the fruit of a heart that is in love with God. Obedience is the fruit of a heart that is in love with God. In fact, the book of James, I'm sorry, the book of John, chapter 14, verse 15 says this. And if you're going through freedom right now, you've heard this verse, right? If you love me, you will keep my commands. Now, what that doesn't mean is that, oh, if you love me, you'll obey every, all the rules, right? You demonstrate your love for me and that if you love me, then you'll do what I tell you to do. I don't know. What that means is that as I am falling more in love with Jesus, the reality of what he expects of me comes alive, right? I don't serve my wife simply to prove that I love her. I serve her because I love her, right? Like the love, the serving is just a fruit, a byproduct of my love for her. It is the same with God. Obedience is a byproduct of our love for him. And so he delights in it. The second thing I wrote down is obedience is an act of worship. Obedience is an act of worship. In the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 15, verse 22, uh, the prophet Samuel is speaking to Saul the king. And he had given Saul the king instructions on, hey, I want you to do this. God wants you to wait. When you conquer the land, do this. Take this step, but do not do anything. Do not make any sacrifices or do anything until I get back. Right? Well, Saul did the total opposite of what Samuel told him to do. And in verse 22, Samuel says to him, and Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the rams or than the fat of rams. In other words, your sacrifices your worship, how you sing songs, how you play, uh, how you lift your hands, how you dance in church, how you worship in church, right? Means nothing if it is not backed by obedience. Why? 
because obedience is the greatest form of worship that you can give unto the Lord. Obedience is the greatest form of worship that you can give unto the Lord. That's what he says. Does he does the has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? The answer to that question is no. Right? Because he says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better. Obedience is the greatest form and act of worship that we can give unto the Lord. Obedience is the greatest act of worship that we can give unto the Lord. I would even say that obedience is a test of your faith. I'll say that again. Obedience is a test of our faith. Obedience is the greatest evidence of our trust and our faith unto the Lord. Right? How many times have we been uh, told by a parent, you know, like for example, I'll tell my kids right now, they'll be getting up actually very soon because I have to take them to school this morning. And I know the moment I say, hey, boys, go brush your teeth. It is going to be an absolute war in my house. There's going to be an absolute war in my house because my kids do not understand that I am telling them to brush their teeth so that their teeth do not rot and they don't end up looking like June bug from out in East Bumble, right? <laughs> they don't understand. They don't trust that their father has their best interest at heart. They don't understand that their father is so much more wiser than them and really truly understands what happens. <laughs> what happens when you don't brush your teeth? It's the same with us. Obedience is an act of trust because the truth is God did not say, hey, I want you to put the priestly garment together like this, and here's why. And in our human nature, we typically end up going, well, why do we have to use blue, purple, and red yarn? And why can't we use orange, gold, and I don't know, pick your favorite color from the rainbow, purple. Right? There are times in our lives where we have to hear the word of the Lord and say, okay, I do not understand why we have to use this specific yarn or this specific stone or this uh, specific element or metal, but I'm going to trust you to know that you are exactly, that you are the God who knows exactly what he's doing, that you are the God whose plans are so much greater than my plans, that you are the God whose ways are so much better than my ways, that you are the God who knows the ins and outs of my life, who has everything in his hand, who is seated on the throne, whose earth is the footstool, that you are the creator of the heavens and the earth, that you are the one who set the sun, the moon, and the stars, that you are the one who told the oceans where they should stop and where they should go, that you are the one who put every single tree, speck of sand, star in the sky exactly where it needed to be. Obedience 
Obedience is an act of trust and faith. And there is no better measure of our faith and our trust than our obedience unto the Lord. So let me ask you a question this morning. Can it be said that Doug did as the Lord commanded Doug? That Jesus did as the Lord commanded. In fact, today, as you're in your workplaces, as you're in your schools, as you're going to uh, meet with friends, as in your lunches and whatever, would you just ask the Lord to say, God, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to say? How is it that you want me to build this thing? God, how do you want me to operate these systems? God, how should I proceed with this relationship? God, is this the education that you want me to get? Is this the degree that you want me to get? Because, Lord, at the end of the day, I want it to be said of me that Jose did as the Lord commanded Jose. And that when you inspect my work, that it not be to Jose's standards or to Jose's quality, or to Jose's ideas. But God, I want it to be said that I did all things, not some things, not a few things, but that I made every effort in my life out of love, out of a passion, a desire, and devotion to you to do exactly as you commanded me to do. And I would also ask, have you inclined your ear or tuned your ear to be able to hear the word of the Lord and say, okay, God. The fourth question that I ask when you read the Bible is, how does this apply to me? Well, here's a good application. Good application. Ready? Am I obeying God in all things? Am I obeying God in all things? Right? Am I obeying God in all things? If there is a hesitation to that question, then the application and how I can apply it is how can I then work out this obedience, flip it around, and say, okay, what's causing the hesitation in my life to either do things that I that that I don't want to do? or to try to do things my way, right? God, I want to be more obedient. God, I want to honor you. I want to do things exactly as you called me to. Amen? Amen. Well, let me pray for you. And as we're praying, you know what? I'd like to take a, just a few minutes to, to pray for the victims of the hurricane if we can. And then we'll pray and be out of here. Father, I just thank you. God, I thank you that you are so good and so faithful. God, I thank you that your identity, your person, your love, your mercy, your grace, your kindness, your provision, your protection, God, that no matter what we go through is unchanging. God, I pray for all those who are going through the difficulty right now of the outcome of the hurricane. Um, people who have lost their homes, 
people who have lost families, who are suffering and going through right now. God, it's so much easier to pray and to say that you would comfort them. But Lord, you know all things. So Father, I right now, I thank you that you are protecting those you desire to protect. That God, you are watching over each and every one of them. God, I thank you that even in difficult situations, your will is done and your will is perfect. But Father, I just pray right now that you would rise up an army, that you would raise up an army, that you would send the laborers that are going to have to be sent out to Father, uh, to serve these people, to love these people, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to these people, to demonstrate your goodness and your faithfulness unto them, to be the salt and the light of the world, to do good works that and ultimately end up causing people to give you glory and give you praise. God, would you stir up your church to rise up in this moment and make a difference? to serve the people who are in need and that you would bring forth a revival in these times from this situation, God. Would you comfort those families who are hurting? Would you allow them to feel your embrace, your warmth, your love for each and every one of them? I pray that out of these circumstances, God, that people will turn their hearts unto you. That God, they would Look to you from where the help comes from. And so, Lord, we just pray for all those people. In Jesus' name, I pray for each and every person that is listening to this soap right now, whether they're tuning in at the moment or they're tuning in later and listening at a later time, God. God, I pray that you would bless them. God, I pray that you would help them. God, your word says that you give us the will to do what we need to do. God, I pray that your spirit would rise up within us, God, and that we would be able to be like Paul, to say, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives within me. God, we know that we cannot do this on our own. We cannot be good enough. We can't obey enough. We can't do uh, good enough. We can't be perfect, God, but we know that with you all things are possible, and greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And God, as we surrender unto you, unto you, you make this life a reality within us. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would continue to surrender to you, and we just love you, we honor you, we glorify you, we give you thanks, we give you praise for everything that you're not just doing in our church, but you're doing in our lives and our families, our homes and workplaces. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, hey, I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you again next week. Don't forget, come on this weekend. Make your way to the church. It's going to be a great weekend. Love you guys. Have a great day.